We know that Satan has lots of sort of tricks up his sleeve, we might say. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, the Apostle Paul spoke of his many devices. So he's got a lot of tricks of, the, of his trade. He's got a lot of tools at his disposal. He's got a lot of ways in which he can present temptation to us to try and cause us to sin. We want to talk about one of those very effective tools that he uses this morning. And it's along the lines of what we often refer to as peer pressure. You know, when people around us are doing things, when they're trying to get us to do what they're doing, that's often a very powerful form of temptation. And unfortunately, many times we fall susceptible to it. One of the ways that that form of peer pressure is administered is by people asking this question. You're with a group of people. Maybe some of you young people or with some of your peers, your friends from school or in other situations, other settings. And they're trying to get you to do something that you know that you shouldn't do. And so they ask the question, who will know? If you do this, who will find out? Who will be aware of that? And so in that method, they exert this peer pressure. It may be toward drinking or it might be toward taking some drugs or smoking tobacco or gambling or engaging in illicit sexual activity. Who will know, they say. They tempt you. They try to put that before you. Say, come on, do this. You can, you can get involved in this and no one will ever know is the implication. Who will know? That's the question they ask. For, for our study this morning, we want to spend some time investigating that challenge that's put before us, that temptation that we often have to face. Who will know? That will be our study this morning. I'll stop here for just a minute to, to join with Monty in extending a word of welcome to all who are present. We have, any, we have many visitors this morning. We're grateful for every one of you. Glad that you came. We want you to come back every time you have a chance to be here. We're encouraged by your presence. We're just glad to be able to be together on this Lord's Day. This has been a time of year set aside for Thanksgiving, and we're certainly thankful and grateful that we have occasions like this when we can come together with people of like precious faith, join together in studying God's Word and worshiping Him. We're glad for this time. We're glad that you're here to be a part of this this morning. Let's talk about this question, who will know? Again, understand that that's a temptation that's being placed before us. And many times it's peers who are asking those kind of questions. And I would just make a point that young people are certainly susceptible to peer pressure, but they're not the only ones, all, even those who are older, certainly subject to the pressure of what's going on around them and what people are doing. So what about this question? The first thing that I'd like to point out is that the very question itself suggests that there is something wrong. The question itself suggests that you're wanting to hide this activity, that you want to do it or you want to encourage someone else to do it, but the idea of it needs to stay hidden. It needs to be kept secret. We don't want everybody to know about this thing. That very idea suggests that there's something wrong, and we ought to be alerted. If we're smart, and if we're paying attention to, to spiritual dangers around us, when someone makes that statement or asks that question, who will know, red flags ought to pop up. That, that ought to be a warning to us immediately. You know, uh, when our kids were little, uh, if they had done something good, maybe made a project or got a good grade on some of their elementary school uh, tests or whatever, they'd be glad to show that to me as soon as I came in in the evening. But if they'd done something bad and were in trouble, they might, they might be off in some other part of the house not anxious to see me. Little children know 
that if, if you've done something bad, you don't want that to be known. You want to keep that under cover, right? Even when we get older, it's the same thing. Uh, on our way to services this morning as we were coming up the highway, there was a police car in the median radar people. Cindy even said, there's a police car. But you know what? I didn't have to. I, I wasn't worried for him to see me because I knew I was doing the speed limit. But if I'd been not doing the speed limit, then I would be concerned for him to find that out. Right. So the, the point I'm making here is if we have to keep something hidden and if we're worried about others finding out about what we're doing, that in itself ought to be a great warning thing to us. In the text that Arthur read for us earlier from John chapter 3, beginning verse 20, Jesus said, Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. That's what we're talking about, right? Jesus goes on to say, He that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. And so, if we're doing good, we've got nothing to hide. But if we're doing evil, then we want that to be hidden. And that's really what this question suggests, who will know? And so, if you don't take anything else away from the lesson this morning, especially young people, I hope that you'll always remember that that expression, that question, if someone puts that to you that way, know that that in itself is a big red flag. You should head the other direction. Don't walk, run to get away from a situation like that. Secondly, I would point out that the question is answerable. You know, the, the question sort of suggests no one will ever know. How, how would anybody ever find? Actually, the answer to the question, who will know, is, is known. We, we can answer that question, who will know. For instance, the first ones who will know are others. There are other people who would know. Think about this. We, I, I put this first here because it's obvious. It's an obvious answer. Who will know? Let's say that some guy is trying to challenge me to, to drink with him. And, and I'm, I'm resisting that initially. And he said, oh, come on, drink this beer. Who will know, right? Who will know? Well, who will know? Well, he will know, right? The guy who's asking me the question, the guy who is posing that temptation to me, obviously he will know, right? Now, you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. If he gets me to do what he's tempting me to do, then he will know he has succeeded. He will know. The people who ask the question, the ones who are encouraging us to sin, uh, they will know when they have succeeded. Now, you also know, because past experience bears this out, usually the people who find out something like that about us uh, are not too inclined to keep it a secret. Usually they'd like to talk about it. I, I got him to take a drink. I got him to, uh, to take that pill. Uh, or even something like uh, engaging in sexual activity. Those who do that will talk about it and tell it to others. Um, so if we commit the sin that people are tempting us to commit when they ask us the question, who, do know, who will know? If we commit that sin, then we can, be, we can be very sure others will know. Jesus, on the other hand, encourages us to let our light shine, to live right, be right, do right, and let others see that. In Matthew chapter 5, Beginning verse 14, Jesus said, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're supposed to be a light, an example. We're supposed to do right and let other people see that in our lives. That's for all of us. That's for those of us who are older, but it's also for those of you who are younger. Youth is no excuse for misbehavior. It is not the case that you can say, well, when I get older, I'll do better. 
It's understood that young people are going to sow their wild oats, as the expression is. No, that's not true. That is simply not true. As young people, you also are expected to set a right example. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Paul said to the young man, Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Young people, what about you? Are you setting an example that others could imitate? Uh, if others find out that you are a Christian, are you glad for them to know that? Would they be impressed with what it means to be a Christian by what they see in your example? That's the way it ought to be. You need to guard your influence. You need to set a right example because other people are looking. And other people will find out if, you are, uh, if you've fallen to temptation. We should also understand that we all have an impact on the influence of this whole church. If you're a member of this congregation, then your conduct has an impact on everyone else who's a member of, of this congregation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in a rather long section where Paul correlates the, the body of Christ to our physical bodies and how every part uh, has a role to play. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning verse 25, members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. You know, we could add to the things that Paul was mentioning there when he said if, all, uh, if one member suffer, all members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. How about if one member is setting a bad example in the community, then that marks off on all the rest of us as well. It is simply true that we've got to be careful about our example, our influence. When we sin, people find out about it. When we fall victim to peer pressure, when people ask us that question, who will know? realize people will know. The implication of the question is nobody will know, but that's not true, is it? Other people will definitely know if they have succeeded in getting us to sin. So other people will know. That's part of the answer to the question. Another part of the question is I myself will know, obviously. If no one else were ever involved, if no one else, literally, if no one else could ever find out what I did, this would be reason enough not to commit the sin because I will know. I must live with the knowledge of what I've done. And the fact of the matter is, that can't be escaped. If, if I fail, if I fall short of what the Lord expects of me, then I have to deal with that reality. And there are just so many places in the Scripture that talk about that. We remember Psalm 51, verse 3. Most think that David was writing in Psalm 51 about the situation with Bathsheba. And he said, my sin is ever before me. He never got over that, was never able to forget it. It was constantly on his mind. He had to deal with the aftermath of his sin. So do we when we sin. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence. That's why we've got to be careful. Because if we're not careful, if we don't really put forth effort to do the right thing, keep our hearts with all diligence, then we end up with a consequence like David had, and we have to live with the memory of our past sins. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Paul warns that if you are not careful, if you don't take measures to protect yourself against sin, then it can have a cumulative effect to the point where he said in 1 Timothy 4, verse 2, that people can have their conscience seared with a hot iron. It can, it, you can go so far into sin that eventually then it begins not to bother you anymore. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, we're told to have our senses exercised to discern good and evil. We know better. 
We know what is the right thing. God has given us a conscience to help and guide us and protect us from all the horrible aftermath of sin. Uh, we should be careful. So the answer to the question is not only will other people know about what they've encouraged me to do, obviously, but I will know too, and then I have to deal with that reality. Certainly, in answer to the question, who will know, we would have to say that God will know. We can be certain of this, can't we? In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. You're not going to escape the notice of God. Hebrews 4, verse 13, neither is there any creature that's not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And so certainly, uh, in answer to the question, who will know, let me back up here just a minute, in answer to the question, who will know, we know that God will know. Uh, and we cannot keep anything from his notice. Uh, I, you know, sometimes we have the tendency to think that if I can do this and keep this a secret from you, if I, if I can keep anybody else from finding out about what I'm doing, then, then I'll go ahead and do it. But although I might succeed at that, not likely, but potentially I might succeed in getting other people to know what I've done, I'll know about it and God will know about it. This, this should certainly be a, a great motivator for us to do the right thing. Uh, an, another side of that, though, God knowing. You know, I, I don't want God to know for fear that God will punish me. That's one aspect of this that, that we want to pay attention to. But for those of us who really love God, not only should we fear His punishment, but we just simply shouldn't want to do anything to disappoint or hurt Him because He has loved us so much and has been so... Uh, bountiful in blessing us with so many good things. We should not want to do anything that would serve as a disappointment uh, to him, the one who has loved us so much. I remember uh, back when I was in school, uh, I, I did something that I shouldn't have done, and it got found out, of course. And there was this one teacher that we had. Th these were uh, in those days of high school. We had this one teacher. He was a young teacher. He was a new teacher just out of college. We all thought he was pretty cool, you know. We all liked him, and and uh, and he's the one who found out I had done something that I shouldn't have done. And, uh, of course, he could have sent me to the principal's office. They were still giving whippings with a big paddle back in those days. And, and I, was certainly, uh, I was certainly a subject for that sort of punishment. But he didn't do that. He didn't send me to the office. I didn't have to talk to the principal. I didn't get a whipping. But you know what he did that hurt me even more was he said to me, I thought better of you than that. I'm really disappointed in you. You know, boy, that cut to the bone when he said that, you know. Yeah. And I, I think that, there's an, that we ought to consider the application of that in regards to God. Here's the God of heaven who has loved us so much and provided so much for us, given us so many blessings, and, of course, the ultimate in the sacrifice of his own son, the shedding of his blood to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then we do the kind of things that we're talking about this morning, violating his will, sinning against him, we should stop and think how this hurts him, how it, he's disappointed in us when he knows the things that we have done. We're not keeping it a secret from him. You know, Joseph had this idea in mind. You know the story well in Genesis chapter 39, beginning verse 7. You remember when Potiphar's wife was tempting him to commit sexual immorality? It says in Genesis 39, verse 7, it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, my master, what if not what 
is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against Yah? In the, in, the, in the argument that Joseph offered as to why he wouldn't do what she was trying to get him to do, by the way, do you think that Potiphar's wife might have said, who will know? Who will know? Do this. Who will know? It doesn't, it's not recorded there, but it wouldn't be too hard to imagine that she might have included that very expression in the process of trying to tempt him to sin. He indicated his loyalty to his master, her husband, but the main thing was, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He didn't, he didn't want to disappoint God in his behavior with what he had done. And so we need to keep that in mind. Uh, who will know? Others will know. I will know. God will know. And there's one other category that we should include before we end that discussion. Who will know? Well, ultimately, everyone will know. When Christ returns, everyone will know. We talk a lot about judgment. Uh, it's, it's something that we need to talk about. And I think we're all somewhat intrigued as to what it might be like. You know, what, the, what will that judgment scene be like? Have you ever stopped to imagine uh, when the Lord returns, uh, what will it be like? What will the scene be? You know, how, what will the experience involve? We know a lot about it. We don't know everything about it. Uh, Romans 14, verse 11 says, As it is written, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Now, I think sometimes based upon that statement, we, we envision sort of like a, a huge uh, judgment uh, bar, you know, with, with the Lord sitting up there behind a, a big desk, you know, and he's got a gavel in his hand, sort of like a courtroom scene, only on a much bigger scale. And then there's this incredibly long line of all of the people who've ever lived in the course of history it'll probably take years and years and years for everyone to file past the judgment bar so no that's not the case but we will uh, have to give account of ourselves we're going we're, we're going to be accountable we're going to be responsible we're going to be held accountable for the things that we've done in second corinthians chapter 5 Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Certainly, we're going to be there. We're going to be giving answer for the things that we've done. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, it says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Judgment is certain. We know that it is coming. It is rather intriguing to think about all the details of it. What will it be exactly like and how it will take place? We don't need to know the details beyond knowing that it is definite and it's going to happen. But one more thing to consider about that judgment is this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, Paul says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. Here's where I think is something that we maybe don't spend a lot of time considering in regards to judgment. Notice, he's going to bring to light the hidden things of darkness. He's going to make manifest even the counsels of the heart. I had some evil thoughts. In fact, I've, I've been spending a lot of time maybe thinking about things I shouldn't have thought of, but I've kept it secret. And, and there, there's been some things that I've, you know, hidden things of darkness, you know, um, maybe I've been looking at those pornographic images on the Internet. 
maybe I've been doing other things, but I've, I've kept it hidden. No one knows. You know, it's a secret thing. And I, I'm taking some consolation in the fact that I've kept it hidden from everybody else. Nobody else has discovered the evil thoughts that have been in my mind or even maybe some of those evil deeds that I have done. No one has found out. I've been able to keep it from my family. My friends are not even aware of it. And I've certainly kept it from all the people in the church. No one knows. But in the day of judgment, who's going to know? This says that when the Lord comes, He's going to bring to light the hidden things of darkness. And He's going to make manifest even the counsels of the hearts, even the things that I've thought about that I shouldn't have been thinking about, are going to be exposed. It will all be made known. And so, in the end, everyone will know how it's been with me and with you. We're not going to keep anything hidden. Ultimately, nothing will be hidden. And so, just think about this question. Who will know? I wonder. It'd be interesting if we could ever figure out how many times throughout the course of history has that question been asked in the process of trying to tempt someone to sin. My guess is innumerable times. You, you, you probably couldn't even come up with a number big enough to count how many times folks have been tempted with that expression, who will know? And it continues to this day. Those of us here in this assembly, we've been tempted with that. We will be tempted with it in the future. I especially encourage you young people to know that temptation is out there. You've heard it already and you'll continue to hear it. People will tempt you to sin with that question. Come on, who will know? Well, the, the question itself, as we said, should raise great red flags. That that question is asked, who will know, indicates something's wrong. You don't, try to, you don't have to try to hide good things. And so if, if it's something that needs to be hidden then it's probably a bad thing. Be aware of that. The question itself is a red flag, but the answer is also knowable. The answer to the question, who will know, is others will know, I will know, God will know, and eventually everyone will know if I commit that sin. Be aware of that. We've got to live right with God. We've got to be right with Him. We've got to do the right thing. Because in the end, as we've been saying, we'll be held accountable in judgment and the end, nothing else matters. The only thing that really matters is, have we been right with God? What's your situation this morning? Are you a Christian yet? Have you obeyed that simple gospel plan of salvation? If not, we would encourage you to make that decision and, and submit in obedience to those instructions without any delay. Upon hearing the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, and be baptized for the remission of sins. If we can assist you in your obedience, we are more than ready. We're anxious to do so. If you need more study, say so, and we'd be glad to join with you in Bible study so that you can come to an understanding of those very important truths of God's Word. If you're a Christian already, but you've slipped back in sin, maybe some of the pressures of the world, some of the peer pressure uh, that is around has, has caused you to stumble. If that's the case, we encourage you to put that away. Repent of that. Come back to God in confession and prayer. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song. Calling out to God into the home.